Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Salt Lake City, Utah, I'm Scott Johnson. And from the outlands of the L.A. metro area, I'm the DTNS producer, Roger Chang. Thank you, Roger Chang, for joining us today and everyone uh also another thanks to rich Trofolino for keeping us up yesterday on the microsoft announcement uh there was one more announcement we didn't get to during the show yesterday we're going to talk about that and a few of the the repercussions of that and some other microsoft announcements a little bit later on but let's start with a few tech things you should know Facebook announced its investigation showed that third-party services that use Facebook for login don't appear to be affected by those copied tokens. Facebook revealed Friday that attackers were able to access login tokens for up to 50 million Facebook accounts. That is many accounts. Uh, Plex has added web shows like AS- A- ASAP Science, Household Hacker, and Pet Collective, Epic Mealtime, and more. Uh, these are all cool shows. You can subscribe to the shows within the Plex app and it will alert you when new episodes arrive as well as track uh, older shows and suggest shows that match your interests. Intra is a security app uh, that is meant to get around government internet censorship and traffic manipulation and was tested by Alphabet's company Jigsaw with some Venezuelan activists and has now been released worldwide for free in the Play Store. Intra creates an encrypted connection between your phone and DNS servers, making it harder for traffic to be intercepted by governments or any purveyor of malware, etc. All right, let's talk a little more about the end of a Wi-Fi era, Scott. Oh, man, this is uh, means we've got to start buttering up on new uh, routers maybe soon. The Wi-Fi Alliance, Alliance rather, announced that the next version of Wi-Fi, heretofore known as 802.11ax, will now be called Wi-Fi 6. 802.11ac uh, will now be called Wi-Fi 5. And 802.11n, which is my router, will be called Wi-Fi 4. The idea is to make it easier to tell which version of Wi-Fi is older. I love this. Yeah. I Good. you know, and and it's not IEEE isn't changing anything. It's still going to be 802.11ax when when the for the forthcoming protocol. 
uh, if if you're on that side of things, it's the Wi-Fi Alliance who's like for public consumption. Let's just make it simpler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that that everything under the hood isn't changing. I I've gotten so used to this. It's like eight hundred two dot eleven n. Okay, I know what that means. But it it you know when you're like, well, how about we just call it Wi-Fi four? And then there'll be Wi-Fi right. 5 and then Wi-Fi 6 and so on. It's like, oh, yeah, why didn't we do this years ago? There are some good reasons on the standard development side to have the naming protocol that it has. 802 sure. dot means something. The 11 means something. The series of going from N to AC to AX tells you something, and it helps you keep track of things. It's a horrible way to tell everyone else which right. Wi-Fi has actually been published. We don't see 802.11 AD or AE or AF or AG all the way up to AX marketed. So you don't need to have that level of specificity for the general public. So yeah, I, I like this too. And, and because it's the Wi-Fi Alliance working in cooperation with the IEEE, it means we we also shouldn't get the kind of weirdness where somebody calls something 5G, even though it's not really 5G, it's you know, Verizon's own version of 5G, etc. Uh, it, it should be, if it's 802.11ax, it's going to be called Wi-Fi 6. I guess the thing that might happen is somebody doesn't have to use that. They could put AX on the box instead of Wi-Fi 6, but that wouldn't help them any. Hmm. Google Assistant got a redesign, an app redesign anyway, to give more visual additions in response to voice commands. For example, offering a slider to better control dimming your lights, that kind of stuff. This is good on a phone, but it's also on smart displays. JBL and Lenovo have already put uh, put out their own Google-powered smart displays, and Google is rumored to be prepping its own to be revealed along with the Pixel 3. The company is now offering developers the the ability to take payments from users directly through the Assistant as well. So, yeah, what do we got next week is the big Google announcement on Tuesday, the 9th. Uh, so we might hear more about what this is going to be used for with that smart display announcement from Google then. Um, but you know, it's easy to poke fun at this, I think to say like, Oh, so your voice assistant isn't good enough. You have to have displays to go with it, but it makes sense. If it's like dim the lights, it'll dim the lights. Echo does the same thing, right? Uh, but it's nice to have that control there. If you have it, if you have a display, why not show it like, Oh, I want it a little dimmer or a little less dimmer and you can fine tune it if you want. It's a good option. Yeah, I also think I think the future of this stuff is uh, displays across the board. Like right now, we're happy to have, you know, dots and minis and little devices everywhere that sort of have a limited scope of use. But I, I think there's a future not far off where the entire line has some kind of display. You're already seeing that diversification in the echoes. And uh, so why not have controls and systems in place to, to handle some of that? It's intuitive and smart. I don't see anything wrong with this. And I am now very anxious and excited to see whatever the heck that's going to look like from them. I want to see what their display version of the home is. I do love it when I say, show, tell me the weather and I can see it. Just, yeah. you know, sunshine, clouds, you know, some numbers so much faster than waiting when I'm in the bathroom where I don't have a display for the Echo to go. This morning, it will be 74. This afternoon, there's a 20. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, get to the part that I really need to know. Yeah. Iron Ox is opening its first fully autonomous indoor production farm with plans to start selling produce from it soon. The farm is growing romaine, butterhead, kale, 
basil, cilantro, and chives. So they're all leafy greens of some sort, some herbs, some some lettuce. A cloud system will monitor sensors and tell robots what actions to perform, including uh, transferring seedlings to newer boxes or perhaps saying, hey, it's time to harvest. Angus, a 1,000-pound robot that can lift and move the 800-pound hydroponic boxes the plants grow in, is the thing that goes around and moves the stuff, and it takes it to a robotic arm that can do things like, uh, you know, transfer the seedlings and all of that. Now, humans still do harvesting, seeding, and packaging. They haven't quite got it even though they say it's fully autonomous, there's a couple of times humans have to come in. But the point is humans don't have to be there all the time. The watering, the general maintenance is all done autonomously. And it can produce about 26,000 plants a year in about an acre of space. Founders Brandon Alexander and John Benny wanted to do something practical with robots rather than the novelty acts that you often see. A couple of side notes here. One is they've decided to switch from LEDs to sunlight, which means they won't be able to do it inside of cities. They'll need to be outside of cities where they can take advantage because the cost of even running LEDs, as power efficient as they are, is still too much to make a profit. Uh, Also, they're targeting farmers with this to say, we want to get farmers to use this because we know there's a labor shortage in the agriculture industry. Uh, And that's well covered elsewhere, but it's hard to find enough manpower to do the things you need to do on a regular farm. And this solves that problem. So I'm going to say a thing that you might hate. And I'm just curious if this has big application for the burgeoning growth of legal marijuana production. Oh, of course, Scott. Just always to drugs with you. (laughs) Always straight to the drugs. Why would anyone hate that? What other crop is there, if you ask Scott Johnson? (laughs) It's a bumper crop. But if I was a guy running my own little hydroponics system and I'm kind of doing my own little (laughs) shop or whatever, this seems like a really great way. First of all, not all hydroponics. Hydroponics is not (laughs) the same as marijuana. It doesn't mean weed. It just means... Although I'm sure, and we have have a marijuana uh, farmer in the audience who's written us before, I'm sure this this could be used for that uh, it, as well as everything else. Yeah. Well, and, and think about, you know, an acre of space is, I know for a lot of people, it's like, wow, that's like a really big yard. But, you know, I grew up on many, many acres of space. So one acre is, it's, it, depending on the land that you have, it's super doable. And a lot of people have that and more. Think about being able to just have more of your own personal farm that you might be able to, you know, you don't have to, you know, you're not tilling the soil and doing all that stuff because um, the robots are doing it for you. But that whole kind of living off the land for a lot of people is like, well, you could do it, but it takes a lot of work. Uh, But I I wonder how much this could kind of, I don't know, move into a personal space where where people are growing their own jives and basil and kale. Well, sure. and, and and like solar cells, uh, you do it for your own benefit, but then you could possibly make a little extra money off that of too. what what is above and beyond what you need. Yeah. I'm being told, sorry, I'm getting some of the control room. Uh, the next model will be called the Snoop 4000 and will weigh only 420 pounds. Oh, so, my. <laughs> so there you go. That's not uh, true. <laughs> Not oh, true. Not true. Dad, these dad jokes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon announced the Fire TV Stick 4K, ladies and gentlemen. That includes support for 4K Dolby Vision HDR, HDR10, HDR10 Plus, and Dolby Atmos surround sound. It also has a 1.7 gigahertz quad-core processor, and the fastest processor in any Fire TV device. I guarantee it's faster than the original, which was painfully slow. The remote comes with an IR transmitter for control of sound bo- uh, bars rather, and cable boxes and the like. 
It's available for pre-order now. Ships October 31st, the very end of this month, for $50, which is pretty good. Yeah, this is this is weird. This is weird to me uh, that they they right right after a big Amazon announcement avalanche, which granted they announced way too many things in a short amount of time. So I guess I'm glad they didn't pour this on top of it. But a couple of beats later, they're like, "Oh, and by the way, our best 4K streamer is a stick. It's not even the actual Fire TV box that runs in 4K. I guess we can expect a Fire TV box to be upgraded." Um, or even the cube uh, to be upgraded. Now, the other thing this doesn't have is voice control, but they're selling the Amazon Fire uh, voice control remote that uses Amazon voice services separately now for 30 bucks, same time, October 31st. So you could get a Fire TV stick for 50 bucks, get the voice remote for 30 bucks, and have basically all of the functions of the Fire TV or Fire TV cube in the stick. Yeah. Also great sound options and stuff like this is this is a pretty i mean the, the specs are pretty modern i'm just it's surprised a it's stick yeah little stick 50 bucks done it's pretty good sarah you want to add this to your your streaming collection of devices eh, um probably not but um you know i'm I, i'm sort of i'm thinking tom on uh, what you mentioned why didn't we get this as part of the huge amazon <laughs> bundle of news maybe it's because the company thinks that this is I don't know, um, would have gotten lost yeah. otherwise. It didn't fit direct because it's not voice activated, maybe, because you have to buy the remote separately. Maybe that it didn't feel like it fit in the rest of those announcements, which were all about voice service control. So that could be part of it, too. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm also kind of still in the camp where when anyone says 4K, I'm like, eh. You know, like it, it's I, I'm, I'm yet to be excited about anything that is 4K capable. Here's yeah. the thing. You won't be until you get it. Once you get it, it's not going to make you that much more excited, but you'll always want the 4K because you'll start to see yeah. the difference. It's Before, the retina display, right? Yeah, Where you're like, oh, totally. okay. Yeah, I don't want to go back. It's not like HD versus 480 where you're like, whoa, that looks really good. But once you actually, like when I bought a TV the last time, I bought a 4K TV because if I wanted to buy the best TV I could get for my money, it was a 4K TV. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll get a 4K TV. Why not? Now I'm like, ooh, I need to have the 4K version of that because I can mm. tell the difference on that yeah. TV. But again, the retina display is a perfect example. You really don't notice it if you don't have it. Yeah. Kobo launched the 8-inch Kobo Forma e-reader. It's IPX8 waterproof, up to 2 meters anyway, weighs 197 grams, is 15% lighter than the Kobo Aura 1, and it's kind of built for, I don't know, to, to withstand some stuff. The e-ink Mobius display can handle being dropped from more than 6 feet, as well as handle more bends and twists than previous model. The Forma also adds tactile page turn buttons on the right-hand side. Pre-orders begin October 16th, and the Kobo Forma comes to stores in Canada, the U.S., the UK, Italy, the Netherlands, France, Japan, and Spain, October 23rd, followed by more countries in early 2019. Here's, I, I'm going to go 4K on this one, uh, which by the yeah. way, Nick with a C pointed out, it's really the HDR, not the 4K, but uh, that was my shorthand for HDR was, was saying 4K. But that, that aside, why do we need e-readers? I know there's plenty of people who love them, but I actually do want to hear from you. Like, do either one of you use e-readers? Not no. not I, tablets or I phones. I prefer I prefer it over a tablet okay. because it's easier on my eyes. So All right. I also like the battery life. I like the durability in theory. Um, I don't know how well my Kindle would take a nice fall, but um, this sort of stuff's interesting to me because every time a new one comes out, I think, oh, you know, maybe a better format for me. But 
I get really, I've had two cataract surgeries early in life, which has left me with a lot of glare potential. And oh. readers in particular are really, really good for that. I can get through way more of a book than I can on a tablet or phone. I could make do on a phone, and I did on a recent trip last weekend, and it was fine. But uh, I'm kind of that market, I think. Um, but I, I have to think more people like them just for the form factor. And also, you just can't do anything else. Like, you're not going to get distracted by text mm. and other stuff. You're just reading, and I kind of like that, too. So, I don't know. I kind of like them as a standalone device. Yeah, I, do, I don't. I've never had a Kindle. Um, I I don't really use an iPad regularly anymore, but I've never totally enjoyed reading anything too long form on an iPad and eye strain might be part of it. But I think, Scott, your point of just the fact that it's a computer that does all sorts of other things just distracts me to the point where I'm not sitting there for hours reading anything of substance. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But yeah, I, you know the the whole e-reader thing, especially if you're going out in the sun, and there's that whole um, that there's that whole aspect of it. That if it does one thing really well, it's like, well, you know, I also you know pack books in my luggage sometimes. <laughs> you only do right. one thing, right, with the book. So yeah. it's it's the same idea. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I had the original Kindle. And, and I even kept upgrading it for a couple of generations, but then I found myself just not using it. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of, of taste and habits, right? Yeah. Did you, did you feel like you went more, I know you listen to a lot of audiobooks as well. Do you feel like that usurped it? Is it, is, is that your main reason? I mean, audiobooks are about half of the books I read. I read a lot on the Kindle app. I think it was the fact that I could read on the Kindle app, uh, on bigger screens. Once the phone started to get bigger, it felt like, well, why do I need that? So the last device that I used mostly for reading was the Nexus 7, the tablet. I liked that size. But once the phones got to be around six inches, I was like, well... Really, you know, it's it's almost the I same mean, size. That's, I will that's say why that. my tablet use has waned because my phone is not really big enough to read anything long form for me, but big enough so that I I'm reaching for the tablet less and less. Yeah, the only other thing I would say about this is I I do think 280 or anywhere in that price range is too much for an e-reader, and I I do look forward to the day where they're more utilitarian. Um, perhaps Amazon's closest to this, but 50, 60, 70 bucks should be the max you ever want to spend for something like this. Yeah. 280 is high. Anyway, uh, glad that Kobo uh, is still in there giving Amazon some competition. Good for you. Folks, if you want to get all tech headlines in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Uh, to recap from yesterday, Microsoft announced the 28-inch touchscreen Surface Studio 2. That starts at $3,499, available November 15th. The Microsoft Surface Pro 6 starts at $899, also available October 16th. The Surface Laptop 2 starts at $999, available for pre-order now, shipping October 16th. And along with the new hardware, Microsoft announced Microsoft Surface All Access. That lets you buy any of these devices for a monthly fee over a two-year period. And When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. They throw in access to Office 365 for no additional charge, in-store training, and top-tier support. But the one thing that got announced after we were done recording yesterday that I think is most significant, maybe of all the announcements, is the Surface headphones. The -the over-the-air headphones have Cortana built in, have 13 levels of noise canceling that you adjust by rotating a ring on the left ear, music pauses when you take them off, resumes when you put them back on, and a touch area on the ear cups can control playback. Uses Bluetooth 4.2, not 5.0, charges over USB-C, and battery life is supposed to be around 15 hours, coming to the U.S. this autumn for $350. And it feels like this is the buzziest thing out there because uh, a couple of stories I read sort of made the argument that headphones are the differentiator for your ecosystem now. Phones are so commoditized that if you want to get me in your ecosystem, get me the voice assistant on the headphones, hence Pixel Buds with Google Assistant, AirPods with Siri, and now the Surface headphones with Cortana built in. Yeah, I'm. it's an interesting market, right? We were talking in Slack earlier about uh, this this move back, and it's been going on for a while, so I don't want to make this sound like there's some sudden trend movement, but this move away from uh, the 2000s were all about let's get smaller, let's get tinier, let's get in your ears, let's go wireless, like... Those are still options out there. The AirPods are a pretty big success for Apple, and there are certainly other competing types of smaller uh, wearable sound gear. But, uh, you know, getting big old cans on your head is back in. (laughs) That's been pushed by many companies. We have the main headquarters and founding uh, members of the the folks who create Skullcandy are right here in in the valley. And they seem to be doing great. Just got a brand new facility there. It's beautiful and uh, out of control. I assume they're making money hand over fist. And, uh, you know, Apple does well with Beats now that they've acquired them. And Beats was doing great before that. Like, this is clearly a market for a whole bunch of people. I feel like I'm entering this new phase of I don't understand the hype because all I want is something tiny I can keep in a bag and not be bulky and not have to wear around my neck all day. I just want to be able to stick them in and take them out. So... I don't know where we all stand on that, but it's it's uh, it's a market that eludes me a little bit. So I, I feel like I'm not the you know the best person to talk about whether these new micro uh, Microsoft ones are awesome or not. 
Well, I think that we were talking earlier about... Oh, weird. We oh, got weird. a big got echo from you, Sarah. Yes, I'm hearing that as well. Now I don't. Now you don't. Everything okay, good? good? Yep. Everything okay. Good. okay, good. Uh, we were talking earlier, and I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's almost like wearing a hat, right? It's on your body. You know, it's almost a piece of clothing, lots of different colors. So there is a bit of a style aspect of it that goes beyond me being like, oh, I've got a MacBook, right? Because I'm not kind of carrying that on my person all the time. You don't wear the MacBook on your head. Yes. I don't wear the MacBook on my head, but you know, or strap it to my body, but even a phone too. Like usually it's in a purse or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's like, you know, you kind of choose what you want and that this is very front and center. So uh, as much as I'd like to say that audio is very important to me, I want headphones that are comfortable. I want the audio to sound good. Um, but I probably wouldn't wear my Sony headphones like out in public, even though they're very comfortable and the sound is really nice because I don't know, it's just a little weird. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Scott, where I, I, I do scratch my head a little bit at how much it seems to matter to folks. I, I do think that while there are audiophiles who know the difference for the most part, people uh, are probably choosing headphones because of status more than audio. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a fashion thing at play. I was on a, a flight to and from Ohio over the weekend, went to Columbus, and that plane was uh, just something I noticed, but that plane seemed to be filled with two specific demographics when it came to uh, earwear, and it seemed like there were a lot of people over the age of 30 that are wearing little tight earbuds, wireless with Bluetooth or, you know, uh, wired, but small. And it seemed like everybody, I mean, this is a very bad study, right? Like I, I didn't really do a head right. count, but it's not a, a scientifically lot. selected sample, but right. But a lot of like kids were on this flight and by kids, I mean, you know, 16 to, to 25 in that range. And by and large, they're wearing big cans on their head. Uh, Beats mostly hmm. is what I noticed. And a lot of them, like, sort of around their necks, using them on the TV screens, on the on the uh, the backs of the seats, that sort of stuff. And I really do think there is a a a pushback toward having that stuff for uh, some sort of status symbol. I think it's like glasses. There's a while there where you're like, those are goofy looking, and we probably thought that way about big heavy cans on your head. And we've just switched back now. People like big goofy glasses, and they like big cans on their head it also happens to be that a lot of times they have incredible sound in those things you can get a, di- a more dynamic range better noise canceling like the, the the largeness has benefits so so i love the 13 I, levels of noise canceling like 13 okay lucky I mean, 13 i will add like i'm actually one of those i have the same set of headphones that um uh, uh, Sarah has, and I've worn them on you know international flights because they actually do a pretty good job of blocking. Because I have I, yeah, I have modified foam uh, pads on them, and they do a really good job of blocking out the noise. I, I on have the a pair of those too. Yeah, in the subway, like when I when yeah, I have a giant you know telephone cord hanging off the the left the left side, uh, but it d- did a really good job. I also have the edemotics that go into the ear, the ear canal ones that block out all sorts of sound. Very uncomfortable things to wear, even though they sound great and they block out noise. With big f- funky cans over my ears, it's actually very simple just to pop them off, especially now because they're not corded. They don't pull on you when you're moving your head, and they're relatively light compared to ones even 15 years ago. I, th- I so- think the difference is whether you care about sound quality and or... Uh, the the uh, the status of being seen versus practicality. 
because the most practical f- headphones are are little ones. Air- AirPods, particularly, like stick them in your pocket, no problem, right? Uh, it, it's easy to pull them out, almost too easy. Some people might say because you could they could fall out and get lost, but they work fine for me. But they don't sound as good. They don't have the noise canceling, uh, and they certainly aren't a fashion statement. I used to be embarrassed to wear mine around, although I see enough people with them these days that I feel like okay, it's probably normalized. Well, I but was it's still embar- not a great look. I was it embarrassing? Just because they're like, oh wait, he's got those weird white things hanging out of his ear. What are those? Yeah. They don't even have yeah, a cord. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if there's a certain like EDM DJ aesthetic to it, where oh. you look. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I might possibly be making your next dance track, right? You know, for bees or whatever. Next time you fly out for the summer, no, that that uh, often will set a style like that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, your if your favorite DJ, if you, you know, uh, the Dead Mouse is up there with one can on his ear and the other one kind of propped up. <laughs> Dead that's Mouse? cool, man. Yeah. That's super cool. Right. So absolutely, I mean, we're not. I don't think any of us are real trend makers here, but I think that <laughs> what? <for> yourself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Roger, I haven't given you enough credit lately. You are. <laughs> makers all of us i mean yeah yeah i, I mean calvin d- harris dead is. mice all of us yeah Skrillex. i will, I will say just you know just because we're on the subject airpods i don't have a pair um because tom you actually told me if the regular iphone earbuds don't fit your ears that well the air but uh, the um Wireless will not, and and they don't. I just mm-hmm. have weirdly shaped ears. However, so it's fine. I'm just not going to have them. It's, you know, I'll live. But when I see people wearing them, it fills me with anxiety because I'm like, oh, is it going to fall? <laughs> like, every time I'm like, are you okay? You know, make you sure just you walk don't. behind oh. them with your hands out to catch them for them. Uh, on, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like somebody like not watching their kid enough. Where you're like, eh, just <laughs> that can't be safe. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I've got, I've got. Uh, you know, they fit me really well. So I haven't really quite like those, but there's also other issues with them. I just think it's funny that we all thought the future was let's get smaller. And I think a generation of consumers are maybe saying, eh, not so fast. Maybe we like the retro look. Maybe we want it to, you know, be a little bit more closing out the world and have it be obvious that I'm trying to sort of close you out. I don't mean that in a negative way. So, um, I think I'm 100% cool with it. Microsoft must see a market here, even though it feels really saturated to me. There are tons of competition in this space. Um, But I guess we'll see how they do. Uh, Real quickly, before we move on, Microsoft not putting USB-C in the uh, Surface Pro 6 or the Laptop 2 got a lot of attention. And I think The Verge nailed it. Nick Stat said, it's reasonable to assume Microsoft felt like it could not or didn't need to completely revamp the underlying manufacturing and industrial design process for the Pro 6 and Laptop 2 just to bring the ports up to speed. So Mm. my guess is he's right. They didn't want to redo the internals this time around. They'll probably redo it next time. Then we get USB-C. Yeah. And by the way, excited about the the, uh, uh, Studio 2. And I will uh, do a review, or not a review, but a kind of a preview of everything I can think of for an upcoming DTNS Arts Lab. So watch for that. Also watch for other people in our subreddit because they've got great stories that you can vote on and you can also submit your own. Uh, DailyTechNewsShow.reddit.com. Also on Facebook. Want to hang out on Facebook? Do so. Facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show. Let's check out the mailbag. 
Okay, so uh, we were talking about California net neutrality yesterday, and Eric had a, uh, had had some really great feedback and said, "I applaud California for passing this law." Eric says, "I hope it stands." I've become convinced, though, that making it easier and more possible for local cities to provide internet service is ultimately the long term answer. I'm fortunate enough to live in a small town in Ohio that does provide internet service. It's cheap. Fast, reliable, and the very definition of a dumb pipe. My town has no motivation or reason to limit or block any particular website or type of traffic. Everyone else I talk to that doesn't live in my town pays more for a slower connection. First, I couldn't figure out why every town doesn't do this. Then I started hearing about the legal nonsense that has been done to block it. Normally, I have the viewpoint that the less government has their hands in things, the better. And I wouldn't want the national government or the state government to control my internet, but. From my experience, having the local town provide internet service is a wonderful answer. My town isn't wealthy or big, so if they can do it, I'm sure any town could do it if the obstacles were taken out of the way. Mm. Yeah, uh, community community uh, internet, municipal internet uh, is certainly one thing that if allowed more places, which honestly it is in most places allowed, uh, it's just been outlawed in a few states though, uh, probably could provide, uh, depending on the community, a, a reasonable solution to this for sure. Thanks for the feedback, Eric. And also thanks to Scott Johnson for being on the show with us today. Scott, how's it hanging? Well, <laughs> real good, real good. Uh, <laughs> uh, lots lots happening. Uh, if you are somebody who really likes a daily format for a show, I, it's no wonder you're here for the Daily Tech News Show. And if you're like, man, I sure wish there was more daily content out there, might I point your squinties over to The Morning Stream. It's a show I do every morning, Monday through Thursday, and a bonus episode we do on Fridays. Uh, for patrons, but it's also for everybody. So you can get that fifth episode as well. That's over at frogpants.com slash TMS. And I'll bet you like it. Tom's there on Wednesdays. Lots of other friends of this show and the network uh, as well. So do check it out. Frogpants.com for details. And for all the shows I do, you can find it there. Thanks to you for supporting this show directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash DTNS. If that doesn't describe you, you can fix that very easily by going to patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, but for those who it is accurate, uh, thank you so much for making it possible for us to continue to do the show. Please keep it coming and we'll keep it coming right back. We love your feedback as well. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Priming Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.